This is the Friday, December 16, 2022 version of the market analysis segment for Market to Market. Drier conditions in Argentina and colder U.S. weather impacted the trade for the week. The nearby wheat contract added 19 cents, while the March corn contract, it improved 9 cents. China's emergence from COVID restrictions provided a volatility jolt to the soy complex as the January soybean contract lost 4 cents, while January meal dropped by 860. March cotton expanded by 97 cents per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, January Class 3 milk futures added a penny. The livestock market was mixed as February cattle added 23 cents. January feeders cut 15 cents. And the February lean hog contract, a busy Friday, ended on a gain of $1.78 for the week. In the currency markets, the U.S. dollar index added 22 ticks. January crude oil improved 262 per barrel, COMEX gold. Shed 10.60 per ounce in the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index was higher by nearly 19 points to finish at 588.85. Joining us now is regular market analyst Ted Seifried. Hello, Ted. Hey, Paul. I want to look at headlines. I want to make sure I get something right here because this is the week of... uh, Early in the week, we're asking, is this a dead cat bounce? Kansas City shows some promise. Then we had no fresh news. Then all of a sudden, it got cold. Yeah. What's the biggest mover in wheat this week, in your opinion? No, I mean, look, that cold is uh, is an issue. I mean, there's a lot of weather as a whole. I mean, when you look at snow and things like that, uh, which is, I mean, there, there's snow's good to a point. You throw 22 to 24 inches, two feet of snow on, on something, that's maybe getting past that point of good. Um, but for the areas that think that snow, I mean, there's some really, really cold temperatures coming in here. Uh, that's kind of what we're looking at. We're worried about, you know, winter kill. It's wheat, you know, we can kill wheat how many times and it still can manage to, uh, to yield. But with conditions being as poor as they were even before that, with all the drought conditions, uh, I don't know if we'll have such a resilient crop this year. Um, okay. and, and you look at the drought conditions and the correlations, there's been a lot of studies done. We are not set up for a very good wheat crop this year. Um, what are we set up range-wise then, given what you're saying? Well, there's the other side of that equation, though, Paul, is demand. And the demand for wheat has been really lackluster as well. And, you know, you look at wheat, we are well off the highs that we had from the initial, you know, short squeeze that happened when Russia invaded, invaded Ukraine. But we're still at kind of relatively high prices for wheat. So... You know, given all the fundamental inputs, the supply issues, but also the demand issues, you know, you can really make a, you can make a bullish case on the supply side. That bullish case gets diluted by the demand side of the equation. And then again, you look at where the prices are. You know, if we were trading 580 wheat, you'd have to say the supply issues are enough to give us a rally. But based on the fact that we're, we're not trading, we're well higher than that you're really kind of left in limbo and you're left with a market that's just really searching to try to find a bottom. And maybe we have, I don't know, you didn't have very convincing price action this week, but you know, sometimes it takes a long time to carve out a longer term bottom. We didn't have enough action to form the bottom. Is that what you're saying? You didn't have the convincing price action to say that, okay, that's the lows in now. All right. So but we did pull corn along for a little bit this little bit. week. Uh, but corn also had some export news that was encouraging. Well, no, uh, it, better than it has been. But we're still forty-eight percent behind where right. we were this time last year. So, given the news of the week, yeah, have we set either a bottom or a top in the near term for corn? 
Whew. Uh, this is a good question. I mean, we're headed into some very, well, potentially very light holiday trade, choppy holiday trade. And generally speaking, the seasonality is positive for the time frame between the December report and the end of the calendar year. Um, it's usually because we don't end up making a whole lot of cash sales in that time frame. Generally speaking, we're all, we don't want to mess with our, our taxes any worse, <laughs> any more than we have. Uh, it's the time we spend with family, so we're not really busy hauling in, things like that. Um, and generally speaking, we are a little bit concerned about South American weather, so usually that's a, it's a good time of year to see a little bit of a bump. It's also a really good time to get uh, some of the new crop marketed. Um, whether this year is the same or not, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, we're already kind of at some elevated levels. We've already factored in some South American weather in the form of Argentina dryness. If that Argentina forecast changes dramatically over the next couple of weeks, I think we could see a counter-seasonal move, but that's a big if. If it doesn't change, yeah, I think there... There's a chance that we have a, a halfway decent recovery in corn after the break that we saw earlier in the month. But the line is so small between Argentina and Brazil. Brazil gets rain. Can they get enough and, pr and create enough to counter your counter-seasonal rally that you're talking about? I, Brazil looks pretty good. There are some problem areas in Brazil, and that's for sure. So the question is going forward, do, does the issues in Argentina spread northward to Brazil? And do, are we talking about a wider, a bigger, uh, bigger drought impacting a bigger area, but also maybe in a more important area in Brazil? Or are we looking at the Argentinian issues maybe starting to dissipate and go away? Like so many times in our growing season in uh, the U.S., we'll start with some dryness. But by the time you get to June or July, the weather pattern changes, and all of a sudden we're talking about a normal or maybe even better than normal crop. There's still a chance for that to happen in Argentina. Argentina is, what, 53%, 55% planted at this point? They're still planting this mm -hmm. crop. So it's not like it's July in Argentina right now. Uh, there's still a lot of time for that to turn around. It doesn't look great at the moment. The extended forecasts don't look great. There's a lot of heat. But weather patterns can change. Soybeans also had some export story to tell. Yeah. Did you like the export story better in soybeans? Well, the export story for soybeans has been better for quite some yeah. time. I mean, we are on pace to hit the USDA's target, maybe even beat it uh, if we're going to continue to see these sales elevated the way they have been. Um, it was, I think, what, the second best week uh, for, for soybean sales in this marketing year so far. Um, yeah, the soybean sales are good. Uh, you almost wonder... With the fact that exporters are continuing to sell as aggressively as they are, uh, they must not be too terribly worried about running out of soybeans further on down the line. So you wonder what that means for that January report. Um, you know, so I, pretty soon we'll start talking about what our expectations are for that January report. That's a big, big deal. You know, that's the final production number, like quote-unquote final, because the <laughs> final numbers have a tendency to get revised as well. Um, but there'll be big changes on that January report. The question is in which direction. All right, let's do a little range game then with soybeans. Okay. Uh, but between now and that report that you're mentioning on the 13th of January, what do you see for a top in the November contract for soybeans? The way, the, the way it was acting on Friday, the, the way the price action has been acting this past week, it seems like soybeans wants to want to probe higher. But every time we say that, we run into the $15 level and we kind of fail. I think there's a pretty decent chance that we're going to take a shot at like 15 12 somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, but then again, it's a weather market, right? If that weather changes or the news changes, I mean, there's so many different factors that can come out of the blue. I mean, if we've learned anything in the last five years, Paul, it's that 
we should expect something to be coming out of the blue at any moment. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, look, left to our own, own devices, really no change in, in weather, no change in, in outside factors. Yeah, I think we can check out that 15-12 that area or so. Uh, but who knows? I've just, you, you, what you said gave me a question I'm going to ask you in Market Plus. So okay. I'll tease that. You have to come into Market Plus to see us talk about that 15. Uh, let's get Glenn in Ohio's question to Ted here now because Glenn's a little bit looking ahead there. Uh, he says, planting in Brazil and Argentina nearly complete. Will the dry weather in that region dominate the supply-demand conversation? Or will other fundamental events in the U.S. be the primary market mover now until spring? He's extending to pass the report. Sure. You've kind of danced around both. Now we're going to make Glenn put you on the hot seat. Yeah, and, and I kind of usurped Glenn a little bit here because, again, Argentina is, you know, they're not quite 60% planted. So when we say almost complete... I don't, know, I, I don't know if that's a fair statement. Also, uh, look, Brazil has multiple crops, and it is a very, very big area. So they are planting and harvesting at the same time and a lot of, a lot of times. Um, so, look, the South American weather story is really just getting started. That's something that we'll be watching very closely into June, for that matter. So uh, when you talk about the, the second season corn crop and harvest and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, I think the best way to answer this question, Glenn, is that lack of any other strong outside market influences, right? We are going to focus on grain fundamentals and what those grain fundamentals are for the moment is really based on South American weather and what's happening from an export standpoint. Those two things are very much related, by the way. But as we talked about, at any given time, we can get something to come into the market and completely shock it and make the outside fundamentals more important than the actual grain fundamentals. We're not in that time frame right now. Not saying that can't happen, though, at any, at any given point. All right, we need to move to livestock real quick. Cattle, equity pressure, or do you buy this as a technical move? I and mean, we gapped lower on Thursday. Yep. Still in an uptrend with cattle? You've got a nice little bull flagging kind of situation happening on the near-term cattle chart. Um, we're ex the expectations are for, for supply to drop very dramatically in the first, second, and third quarter of next year. If that happens, that's going to keep a pretty solid floor under cattle. You do have to worry about that equity market really kind of coming off. You know, or, or is the domestic demand going to be a problem? But short of a big, big problem in the stock market or a overall economy as a whole, I think the cattle market's got some pretty firm footing underneath it. I think we'll try to go higher at some point and break out of this. Again, bull flag scenario is a good, good thing to look at on a chart. And the way it traded on a Friday, to me, acted like it, it wants to stay in this range for now with the potential of breaking out further on down the line. Same theory in feeders? Same theory in feeders. Um, feeders are going to be, you know, more tied into corn activity, and it was a positive week for corn. Corn had that that strong day right off the bat in the beginning of the week, and then really held it throughout the week. I think that weighed on feeders a little bit, but yes, I'm optimistic there's upside potential for feeders as well. I looked at grains at midday and forgot to check the the livestock market, but hogs kind of took off. What happened? Yeah, hogs really did kind of take off. So. You know, hogs have been trading this very wild range uh, for quite some time, and, and the moves have been pretty significant. We had gotten very oversold in the short term. Um, surprisingly, cutouts came out quite a bit better. Uh, I think that is kind of what sparked it. But being oversold and being in this choppy range, I think that just you know kind of lit a match for a technical fire, uh, and you had a really nice recovery day there in hogs. Now, whether we're able to follow that up early next week or not is the true test. You know. Is that going to legitimize what happened on Friday or not? Uh, I, I don't, really don't know. In our few seconds remaining, is the China story about they're just 
opening wide up after COVID, is that impacting which market the most? The hog market, the soybean market, or something else? Dude, I think soybeans the most. I mean, look, soybean meal for a number of reasons, maybe some of them unknown right now, has been on fire, and that's what's really helping the soybeans. And I think China has something to do with that, but then also South America. Um, and as far as the hogs are concerned, you know, the, the Chinese story would be extremely helpful for hogs if we were to start seeing that reflected on an export sales sheet. To this point, we've not seen that. So we have to wait and see over time if that does or not. Great questions to come in Market Plus. Uh, we're going to get into ethanol and oil. Uh, plus questions out of Canada, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Iowa. So the gamut coming for you, Ted. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, thank you very much. That's going to do that for the show. We're going to put a pause on this analysis, continue our discussion about these markets in our Market Plus segment. You can find that on our website of markettomarket.org. We have that in podcast form. We also have it on YouTube. And all of these resources, by the way, are free. The season for catch-up. Clean up and make sure you be good for Santa is here, and we can help keep you in the learning mode with a podcast. We have three options, the Market Analysis, the Market Plus, and the MTOM. Follow today wherever that you get your podcasts. Next week, we highlight an individual working for the greater good and feeding the world. Thank you so very much for watching. Have a great week.